the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The answer. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Monday, the 13th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Congressman Jim Jordan in about 30 minutes. Looking forward to talking to him about a host of issues. I'll take your phone calls between now and then at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I want to hit you with this story to get your opinion on. Because it strikes me as just about, I don't know, insane. Um, the state of Florida, this news over the weekend. The state of Florida, a judge in the state of Florida, has ordered 32 Florida counties to provide ballots for voting in Spanish beginning next year, stating that failure to do so would be a violation of the Voting Rights Act. The order was in the form of a preliminary injunction in a case brought by voters who were educated in Puerto Rico and who were lacking proficiency in English according to the Palm Beach Post. Compliance with this order is not optional. Chief Judge Mark Walker of the Northern District of Florida Gainesville Division wrote in a ruling on Friday, This court will not hesitate to use every tool the law provides to enforce this order. Judge Walker reportedly noted that Section 4E of the Voting Rights Act, quote, prohibits English-only elections for those citizens. Yes, citizens educated in Puerto Rico and Spanish, emphasis in the original. Therefore, he ordered that the 32 counties in question must provide voters with ballots in Spanish starting with Florida's primary election scheduled for March 17th of 2020. This order follows a previous injunction in the case which stated the counties must provide sample ballots in Spanish for the November 2018 election. Walker's latest order called for similar sample ballots should there be any election between now and March of 2020. 
The judge did recognize that the Florida government has uh, promised to take steps on their own that would provide Spanish-language ballots. Governor Ron DeSantis, Secretary of State Laurel Lee, have already initiated the process of creating new rules that would require the state to provide voters with Spanish-language ballots in time for the 2020 general election. I'm going to stop there. And I'm just going to ask, why do we continue in this country to aid um, the, the separation and segregation of cultures by way of language, especially when it comes to something so important as our elections. I'll continue to say this, and I understand Puerto Rico is an American territory. It's not a state, but it's American territory, and they can vote, and I get that. I just don't necessarily like the idea that people who do not understand our language are going to cast ballots that count every single bit as much as yours when they don't understand a living thing that they're voting about. Unless they have a Spanish translation for every speech given by a candidate, every commercial offered by uh, supporters or PACs or super PACs for an issue, unless they are going to get everything translated to them, how do they know what they're voting on? It's one of these things that, you know, and again, we talk about this has nothing to do with Spanish speakers, you know, in, in, in uh, specific, specifically Spanish speak, but just in a general sense. Again, when people talk about we are a nation of immigrants, and yes, indeed, it is true that we are. Uh, we, uh, I mean, our ancestors came over from Europe, that mostly, and then of course from Africa, from uh, from Asia, and well, from all co- all continents and all, all places around. The- and we are, and we always have been a nation of immigrants, and that's fine. But the difference between then and now, which a lot of people have pointed out, and I'm going to hammer home now, is that for the most part. Generally speaking, people who came and made this country what it is, who populated this country, didn't come here to keep their own culture and language. They wanted to become American. And as such, one of the first things they did was, drumroll please, they learned the language of the land. There's an old adage, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in America, do as the Americans do. When becoming an American, learn to speak the American language, which is English. And I know it's not the quote unquote nationally, you know, dictated as the national language. We don't have one, but why don't we? And why don't we make sure that anybody who wants to avail themselves of their right to vote, which of course is sacrosanct in the United States, if you are a citizen, why do we not make sure that they understand what they're hearing, what they're reading, what they're seeing, what they're saying? Well, they understand what they're saying, what others are saying before they were able to cast votes. And here's another reason. I talked about this story a couple of, um, weeks ago from Colorado, and and this is a good time to remind people of the danger of not asking people who come to this country, either as visitors, residents, or citizens with voting rights, to learn the language of the land, to do as the Romans do when in Rome, to do as the Americans do when in the United States, and speak English. This is one one of the prime examples of why it is so incredibly important, Lakewood, Colorado. A trucking company that employed I-70 crash suspect Rogel Aguilera Medeiros, best I can do, uh, has been cited 30 times for safety violations in less than two years. One of them is of particular note to this story. 
Castellanos 03 Trucking, based in Houston, Texas, had 10 violations related just to braking issues, meaning the brakes of their trucks. Two of those brake relations uh, violations were so serious, the trucks were given OOS, out-of-service citations, meaning they couldn't keep driving until the trucks were towed and repaired. But the list of violations tracked by the Federal Carrier Safety Administration includes something that might be even more worrisome to experts in the trucking industry. Are you ready for this? Why am I talking about trucking? At the same time, I'm talking about voting rights and uh, a federal judge's order to make sure that ballots are printed in Spanish in Florida. Because, quote, you should be more concerned about the fact that you had two violations where the drivers do not understand or comprehend the English language, end quote, said Jason Emery, the CEO of XL Driver Services. Rogel Aguilera Medeiros allegedly could not read signs written in English as he took his truck down the highway in Colorado. And because he was unable to read the signs in English, he drove right past a yellow highway sign. He, his brakes had gone out. Remember, this is what the story is primarily about. This particular trucking company has a history of putting trucks on the road with brake issues. So his brakes went out. He roared right past a yellow highway sign that reads, Runaway Truck Ramp, 2,000 feet. That exists so that drivers can, if they do lose their brakes, indeed veer off and use those ramps to stop their vehicles. And because he couldn't read English, he didn't know what it said. He just kept right on tooling down the highway in a, in a semi, you know, an 18-wheeler and caused an accident that took four lives, involved four other semis, and 20-plus other cars in that accident. Four fatalities. The 23-year-old non-English-speaking driver is facing four vehicular homicide accounts. Um, the video shows Aguilera barrel pass, the unmistakable sign, as if he had never read it before. Lakewood police tell the problem solvers Aguilera Medeiros was able to speak limited English after the crash, but investigators chose to use an interpreter to interview him. When the Cuban-born man made his first court appearance on Saturday, he had a Spanish-speaking translator sitting next to him. It's not known how long he lived in Texas, but police confirmed he has a green card, is here legally, but did not. See, this is, again, how can we not make people who apply for driver's licenses speak English? The road signs are not written in Spanish, nor should they be. If somebody comes to the United States as a legal resident or legal worker from Russia, do we give them Russian driver's license tests? Do we give them Russian uh, ballot? If they become citizens, do they, do they have to print uh, the ballots in Russian? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. The driving test is performed in English, and federal rules mandate commercial motor vehicles drivers read and speak the English language sufficiently to converse with the general public, understand signs, respond to official inquiries, and make entries on reports and records. Uh, but obviously, if the trucking companies, the vehicular companies, do not ma- uh, follow through on that and make sure that these individuals can do this, um, Then we have situations like this, and people die. Federal law allows applicants to take the written test in any language of their choosing. That just does not seem to make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to me to let people vote in any language as well. If you can't read the highway signs, you shouldn't drive. And if you can't read English or listen to and understand English from candidates and uh, proponents of issues, opponents of issues, referendums, etc., etc., 
I, I, I'm failing to understand how you should be able to vote. If you have thoughts on it, let me hear from you. It's 18 minutes after 10 o'clock. Let me get a couple of calls in here before the break. Jeff in Beachwood. Jeff, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go right ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. Yes, Jeff. You know, it's interesting. The subject you're touching on also touches on what I was thinking about talking about. We have in our country a failure to be able to stand up for anything that we think is right because we think it's criticizing the other side. The... um, the Democrats right now are trying to demonize everything that the Republicans stand for. And in so doing, uh, making it difficult for any Democrat, any liberal thinking person to vote for a Republican, even if they think the Republicans' policies are right. So when we talk about, for instance, how good Trump is uh, doing for the economy, we're sending the wrong message. We have to justify traditional values and the way we believe so that we are not demonized. We are not answering back all these claims of hatred, of racism, of phobias to our, to our detriment. We need to fight back, so to speak. They have a philosophy. We need to fight back, not just defend against them, but create, push our own philosophy, our own thinking that the United States is a country that is moral, and that we are standing up for our values. But we want people to come to this country and learn English. It's not because we are being superior. It's because we have a system that's been successful, and we want it to continue to be successful. And in order for that to happen, people have to behave and, and, and learn the values of the United States. And we are somehow uptight about saying that and about defending that. And I think that's where we, we're being defensive instead of offensive. We need to take the offense and say traditional values, Judeo-Christian values, have been the core of our society and our success. And if you want to be here, you're welcome to. But it's on the basis of accepting the creed that is the American creed. And everything that we're discussing, whether it's voting in Spanish, is basically saying we don't believe in that anymore, and all, all values are equal, and if we try to impose our values or our ideas on somebody else, we're somehow being uh, dictatorial or domineering. Or, and I think that's a big mistake. We have to stand up for our own values in a forceful and aggressive, positive way. Because otherwise, people are never going to want to... They'll say, yeah, Trump's doing a great job. He comes great, but he's a hater. He's a racist. We can't vote for a hater. We can't vote for a racist. So I think that the Republicans need to shift their focus, not not as if to say not to talk about the economy, but to always stand up for what we are from a moral point of view. We are a moral country, and we have to keep saying that because, especially the younger people, they have been inculcated with how evil we are. Jeff, let me say that, and first of all, thank you for a very, very well articulated and uh, and and argued um, point of view and 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 strategy on on getting our message across. I have to take a time out now, but I want to address this on the other side. Um, the problem, of course, lies in the definition of morals and the definition of morality, because you're right, of course, but presenting the arguments that we make on behalf of what is right and what is moral, and not just how great the economy is doing, is a little bit difficult when the left thinks that what they are doing is moral. 
They think that denying a woman's right to kill her baby is immoral. They think that putting up border walls and barriers and having, in fact, borders at all, which deny people access to come to this great country, they think that is immoral. So, seven six. Yes, indeed, 1026. The Bob France Authority continues. Yeah, I found it. Cool hand, Luke. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. And that is truth. That is truth. That is absolute truth. And those on the left, honestly, some of them, most of them, can't be reached. You can't reach them with, this is our platform, this is our mindset, this is our value system, it's about morality, etc., etc. Because they don't understand morality. They don't understand what we are doing is in the best interest of all people. They don't understand that the conservative point of view is what is right for the American point of view, as it is uh, backed by so much historical precedent going back to the founding of this great nation, going back, quite frankly, to the declaration of our independence from the old nation before we even put our Constitution together to build this great republic. But it has been backed every single step of the way by those things, and those things are ignored. They want to, you know, the, the, the people that we can't reach, they are, they're, uh, <clears throat> they're not going to change. They want to change. They want to change the rules. They want to change the laws. They want to change the founding uh, 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 documents upon which this great republic was forged. They want to change all of that rather than change their own points of view to uh, you know to accommodate what this country was built upon. Um, so I, I'm speaking to the previous caller. If you just turn on the radio, you're probably like, "What are you talking about?" Well, the previous caller called up and said, "You know, we need to as a as a." party if you're a member of the Republican Party and a supporter of the conservative movement in this country and supporting the president making America great again and more and more and more. Uh, he said, you know, we can't just sit here and say the economy's better vote for us. The economy the he said we have to talk about it from a values point of view. And we have to fight that way against those who uh you know would attack us. And he's right to an extent we have to fight. There's no doubt about that. But we're not going to appeal to change any minds on the, you know, those on the left by, by preaching morality because there is a failure to communicate. They think morality is allowing people to come to this country unfettered, erase the borders, allow people to come here as, as they wish, use our resources, take advantage of everything that we have, not have to be responsible or accountable for any of it, uh, bring the same problems that they are trying to escape in their own countries to this country, um, and that that's a moral thing to do. They think that that it's immoral to block people out. It's immoral to make people, uh, you know, have to apply to come to a certain part of the world, and so on and so on and so forth. They think it's immoral to impose laws and restrictions on people. I mean, it's just a it's just a different mindset altogether as it pertains to the moderates, the undecideds, those who actually decide elections. Well. I suppose that is what we do have to do, and it's what we have always done, is try to appeal to their sense of reason. If they're undecided, if they're able to be swayed, if they are moderate in their beliefs, yes, I would agree with the caller. We have to present more than just, hey, the economy is doing well, but also we are best for this country because of the uh, standards that we have, the high standards for behavior, high standards for uh, uh, for 
respect and value for uh, families, respect and va- value for valuing values, if I can be so uh, repetitive. Valuing values, human values, American values, cultural values, um, lifestyle values, and, and things, again, that, uh, you know, that we believe this country was founded upon. All of those things we do have to approach, and if that's what we're talking about, talking to the moderates in such terms, we can talk. But as it pertains to the rest of it, doesn't matter what we say. We try to preach values, they call us hate, hate mongers. We try to preach, uh, preach religion, uh, they call us intolerant of other viewpoints. We try to preach values, they, I mean, we know what we're facing. We do. Uh, it is an ugly enemy, and it's an enemy that will stop at nothing to try to defeat us. Congressman Jim Jordan is going to join us after the news on AM 1420. Yeah. Ten thirty four. Now we continue the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks so much for joining us. We are scheduled to talk with Congressman Jim Jordan momentarily. Please let us know back in the control room. Let me know when he is on the line, please. In the meantime, I'll take a phone call from Jim in West Park. Hey, Jim, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Yes. If uh, Mr. Jordan gets a chance to speak with Bob Bob Mueller, my question is: Why did Hillary Clinton uh, request Mueller to go hand deliver? Uh, 10 ounces of highly enriched uranium to our U.S. ambassador in Russia, and this happened uh, September 21, 2009. Uh, why did Secretary Clinton uh, request Bob Mueller to hand-deliver that, that uranium when they already knew what their uranium was? They already knew what the sample was. This was during the uh, Uranium One uh, purchase. Right, right. I, I, I know it's, I, yeah, I, I do know what you're speaking of. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. I doubt very seriously they're going to be able to get into all of that with Bob Mueller because the questioning for Bob Mueller when he does testify before congressional committees, whether it be judiciary or any others, uh, they're going to be focusing on the actual Mueller report, which did not touch on any of those things. Uh, so that's probably where they're going to go. And I am told Congressman Jordan is on the line right now, so let's bring him on. Uh, representative for Ohio's 4th Congressional. Congressman Hello. Jordan, can you hear me? I can now, Bob. How you doing? Okay, there we go. Yeah, uh, uh, doing well, sir. Thanks very much. Appreciate you joining us. Congressman, I want to you play bet. a clip for you to start our conversation today because I'm going to talk about a number of things, particularly having to do with the FBI and uh, having to do with how we got where we are, why the Mueller report was started. This is from Jason Chaffetz's show on Fox that he was doing, and he was con- uh, 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 having a conversation uh, with a former federal prosecutor um, who knows exactly what the FBI was up to. Give this a listen, then I'm going to ask you to respond, sir. You know, James Comey sure. has gone around saying he does everything by the book, but this is the same James Comey who, in order to put the special prosecutor in place, what did he do? He actually leaked information, right? I mean, are we supposed to believe that James Comey now, who's on this uh, publicity tour, as uh, Congressman Turner called it? No, there is nothing that was done by the book here in the FBI. They broke every rule and every protocol from the beginning of this so-called investigation, from sending an agent to foreign soil to interact with an American citizen, 
from enlisting the help of the British, everything they did, using the sealed dossier, which Comey has admitted repeatedly was unverified, yet he signs a FISA application that says it's verified. And please remember, the Carter Page FISA application was not against a member of the Trump campaign. Mr. Page had not been a member of the Trump campaign for weeks when they got that FISA application. Now, Sarah, this was all to cover up their illegal surveillance that had gone on for God only knows how long before they got that FISA application. All right, now, that's a former federal prosecutor, Sidney Powell, yep. Congressman Jordan, and I'd like you to comment on what you just heard. No, no. It, well, there's even more. You go back to the investigation before the Trump-Russia investigation. Did Jim Comey do things by the book there when he took away the decision on whether to indict or not from the attorney general and made it himself? When he went out and did a big press conference and said all these things about Hillary Clinton and then didn't indict. So on and on it goes. Jim Comey says he did it by the book, but as the prosecutor pointed out, he did not. And, and where, the, where he made a special counsel. Here's the great news, Bob. In spite of all that, what did Bob Mueller find after? Twenty-two months and thirty million dollars. What did he find? No new indictments, no field indictments, no collusion, no obstruction. That's what he found. And yet, despite that, Congressman Jordan, uh, the game continues, and and, and, yeah. and I don't know if it's ever going to end. And I'll and I'll shift over to the Senate side, as you know, Senator Richard Burr. For whatever reason, nobody can seem to figure this out yet. No, I don't know if yeah. you know him very well or not. Decided to side with Senate Democrats like Richard Blumenthal in calling Donald Trump Jr. back to testify, despite his previous twenty-seven hours of testimony before Congress and being cleared of any wrongdoing whatsoever by the Mueller report. Well, and, and they're basing the callback on Michael Cohen's testimony. Right. The guy who went to prison last Monday for lying to Congress, and when he came in front of Congress, our committee, two months ago, he lied seven other times. So, And that's the guy, oh, his testimony, so we got to bring Don Jr. back and ask him a few more questions based on what Michael Cohen said. So, so my question... So Don Jr. shouldn't come. Yeah, my, my question, so you think he should just ignore the subpoena? I do. I think, I, I, I think, I think it's re- Oh, you said. Uh, I, I want to apologize to our listeners. We want to bring Congress- you back. Yeah, I apologize, Congressman Jordan. Your phone is breaking up, and we're missing a lot of what you're oh, saying. Now. Just be- that's okay. It's not your fault, but you didn't know it. You could you didn't know that we couldn't yeah. hear a lot of what you're saying right we're now. We're in a so- part of our district this morning. We're traveling around our, our our district, so I apologize. Understand? Understood. I understood. Uh, but but uh, but I want to ask you another question. Uh, going back to Comey and, and to talk about the FBI because I'm concerned about this. I think a lot of us uh, would agree. Everything you pointed out, everything I played for you from Sidney Powell pointed out about James Comey uh, going outside the boundaries of of his uh, of his own office. As, as director of the FBI, and it's one of the reasons why he got fired. Now, the president chose yep. to fire him, and the president handpicked his replacement. He nominated Christopher Ray for the position yeah. of FBI director. And now we have a series of tweets from the president over the weekend about the new FBI director, saying, quote, the FBI has no leadership. The director is protecting the same gang that tried to overthrow the president through an illegal coup. So I, I don't know what to make of that. Are we supposed to trust Chris yeah. Ray? And if we don't, what does that say? Because the president handpicked him. Are we on our way to a third FBI director, another firing? And I don't know what well, kinds of, you know what kinds of cans of worms that would open up. He, he, yeah, no. Uh, here's what I think we should do. I think we should focus on Bill Barr, and Bill Barr has handled himself in such a professional manner 
and, and, and I say exactly the way the American people want the Attorney General of the United States to operate. And, and remember what I said this last week in the committee hearing, but remember what he said four weeks ago in front of Senate Finance. He said there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. That's definitely true. Comey, McKay, Baker, Struck, Page, we know these, but there was a failure there. Second, he said spying did occur. He said it twice. Third, he said there's a basis for my concern about the spying that took place. And then fourth, and most alarming, he used two terms that are really scary. He said unauthorized surveillance, he, think, he thinks may have happened, and political surveillance may have happened. And he is going to the head of the Justice Department is not the FBI director, it is the Attorney General. And Bill Barr is determined to figure out exactly what happened and let the American people know. And if people need to be held accountable, I think he's going to hold them to account. So I am very encouraged and very impressed by the Attorney General of the United States. So let's see what his investigation discovers and who he ends up holding accountable for this fine that took place. Congressman Jordan, I agree. Uh, I am equally impressed with uh, um, with Attorney General William Barr, but I am also worried because of what they are trying to do to Attorney General William Barr. I think the other side. You spoke about this last week. You made this comment in the in the committee hearing in the circus that they had going on there. Uh, that that Bill Bill Barr is about to get to the bottom of all of this, and they are terrified yep. of that, which is why they're trying to destroy him. But totally. Totally. I, I mean, Bob, I believe that just as sure as you and I are talking right now. I know you believe it as well, because all the evidence points to that. He's going to get to the bottom of it. Democrats don't want that to happen. So what do they do? They attack the messenger. They attack the person. And it, it is, it's sad that that's what it's come to. But something tells me Bill Barr is up for the challenge. And I, my, guess, my guess is that he sort of expected this when he took the job in the first place. And his function is, and, and, his, and his goal is real simple, to, to bring back... Uh, the Justice Department, where it needs to be, so that there's, there's, there's the trust that needs to be there at the top level, and to hold people accountable if, in fact, they did what we think they did. Can you um, make any comparison, Congressman Jim Jordan, joining us this morning, um, to the contempt uh, vote for Bill Barr in the Judiciary Committee to the contempt of Congress that was found of Eric Holder uh, several years ago? Well, I mean, look, first of all, this happened much quicker. They didn't give any time to, you know, kind of really to negotiate. But with, with Eric Holder, this was obvious that we needed those, those documents. These weren't documents that we, we weren't entitled to get. It was obviously what, what they're asking Bill Barr to do is to give away, is to, is to give um, a grand jury material, classified material. He's not allowed to give grand jury material. As I said last week, Bill Barr's following the law, and what's his reward? Democrats are going to hold him in contempt. I don't think Eric Holder was following the law. He, we were supposed to get access to those documents. It wasn't about asking for 6D material and that, 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 that sort of thing. So that's a, a, a big difference. And never forget what the underlying issue is here. We think one party, we think the FBI was helping one party using their opposition research document to go spy on the other. And as we learned two weeks ago, the New York Times reported, they planted someone to set up George Papadopoulos. So that's what we're concerned about, and that's why we, we need to get to the bottom of, uh, of how this whole thing began. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to get you on the record with that. Um, uh, not the congressional record, talk show record for whatever that's worth. But I do want to hear, hear you say that because you're 100% right. And the left is, is calling you and calling Republicans, calling conservatives hypocrites, saying that they sought yeah. the, uh, you know, the contempt charge against Eric Holder. And now that it's coming back against Bill Barr, suddenly they don't think it can be done. They're two very different things. <laughs> Eric Holder was not being asked to break the law or demanded exactly. by a, a committee chair exactly. to break the law, which is what they're trying to get Bill Barr to do. And then when he says no, they're going to hold him in contempt these are apples and oranges these two situations exactly right exactly right but that's not that doesn't fit the left narrative because all they care about is attacking the president and now they want to attack bill barr because he's going to actually find out what what started this whole crazy trump russia investigation i hate to circle back to this uh, but i have to uh, to ask about chris ray again because you answered it by basically saying let's talk about bill barr do you think yeah. that Bill Barr would fire the FBI director if he felt like Chris Ray was not working in concert with trying to do the right thing here that the Department of Justice is supposed yeah. to do and hold accountable those who deserve to be held accountable? Do you think he would? You think he would make that move, or do you think he would make that move if I, the president I do told not, him to? I do not know. I, I do know what what the Attorney General said about. He said nice things about uh, Christopher Ray when he testified in front of the Senate. At the same time that he was talking about the spying that he that he believes uh, there's a basis for investigating. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, my point was the guy who's in charge of the Justice Department has handled himself in such a professional fashion that I think uh, he's he's. I've just been impressed. I really have. From the letter he sent on the, on back in March, the three and a half page letter that laid it out, the fact that that there was no new indictments, no steel indictments, no collusion, no obstruction. The way he states that just stated the summary of the, uh, excuse me, the, 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 the conclusions of the Mueller report. Um, all the way through, I think he's handling himself exactly the way we want an attorney general to operate. And, and uh, now that he's going to put this team together and get to the bottom of everything, I think that's, that's important. Last thing I want to ask you before you go, Congressman, and I appreciate you joining us. Lindsey Graham talked sure. yesterday on television about his new amnesty legislation that he wants to uh, bring forth in the Senate. Uh, some of the highlights include the fact that no one who comes to this country seeking amnesty will be able to do so at our border, or if they cross into it and turn themselves in, they have to request uh, amnesty from their own home countries at U.S. consulates or embassies, or if they come into Mexico, they have to do it there. If they try to do it yep. here, they'll automatically be, den- be denied. He also talked about raising the limit of 20 days to hold an unaccompanied minor, I'm sorry, to hold a child at all to 100 days to perhaps disincentivize people from child trafficking and grabbing kids or buying kids that aren't theirs in order to come in for the 20 day catch and release. What's your opinion of what, um, uh, so, Senator what, Graham what we, is trying to do here? And do you think it has any chance of getting any traction in your, your side? Well, I don't, I haven't seen the whole bill, but, but, but the parts that I do know are what you just described. So, and we've said all along, three things have to happen. you got to build a border security wall, you have to change our asylum laws, and you have to put more judges on the border to adjudicate and deal with those who are waiting in line right now, the big pileup that we have right there, which is, which is the crisis situation. And what is, the, the, the three things that Lindsay's talking about are, are change our asylum laws so that, that you actually have to go to a consulate in your home country and not just come to the border and say, oh, I, I declared this a credible fear and I need to be let into the United States. So that is huge. Putting more judges on the border is huge. The one thing that we got to have, though, as well, is we got to have the border security wall. So uh, those are the things that have to happen to address the crisis, to address the emergency. And uh, two of those things are in what he's talking about. I haven't seen the rest of the legislation uh, to know what else may be there. But those two things that he's talking about are, are very good things that need to take place.
I don't think the border wall was part of it. I, at least in the interview right. that I saw with him with Maria Bartiromo, he did not mention a wall. And I think there's probably good reason for that. Anything that contains brick one of a wall, the, the, the Democrats are going to oppose. But is there a chance that when it just comes to rewriting the asylum laws where you can make the claim and the, the uh, child uh, holding policy from 20 to 100 days, any chance that Democrats in your side and the House side would, would consider this? I don't know. You know, my my good friend and colleague, Mark Meadows, last Congress had introduced legislation to put more judges on the border to to deal with the situation, and the Democrats wouldn't go for that. That is just so common sense, so practical, Um, but they wouldn't go for that. Is there a chance, I hope so, uh, to do some good common sense things that all Americans, you know, your, your listeners know make sense to do? I hope there is, but we'll just have yeah. to see if Democrats actually want to work with it. Yeah, and, and that that was part of what Lindsey Graham said also. The senator said five hundred called for 500 more judges to be added down there yep. to try to ease that backlog, which is just so astronomical. And by the way, here's a crazy question, and this is, this is nonpartisan. This is just a, you know, they talk about just, hey, we're going to add 500 judges. Are there 500 judges sitting around right now with nothing to do that are well-versed in asylum law that we can just reassign down there? I, I, well, I, I, I didn't know that. Is that, would, is that a reality? I, is that well, a real I don't thing? know. I don't know, but my guess is that, that we, maybe there's some retired judges who, you know, there are retired judges who say, like, let's go serve our country, let's go help. There could be retired military uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, judges. Could, like, if you're in, a lawyer in good standing with the Bar Association, you want to go help your country and sit down and adjudicate these things so you don't have families just waiting there. You can actually make a decision. Are you going to be allowed to come into the United States or are you going to have to go back to your native country? There's, we can find people. We can write the legislation so you can have good people who want to help their nation, help our great country, go down and deal with this emergency. I think you can write the legislation that way. So I don't know if there are 500 sitting around, but I, I'm sure we can find good people who have the knowledge space to go to, do, to, to go do this task. That's what I'm hopeful of. I just say, you know, every time we talk about just grabbing judges and throwing more down there, I just thought, well, do we have them? Because I mean, aren't they working right now yeah. in various courts around the country? I thought I would ask that question. Congressman, thanks very much. I appreciate you, you making bet. time. Uh, we, we'll talk to you again yeah. next week. We enjoy it. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank, thank you. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1051. We'll get a final time out and come back in with a final segment. See if we can squeeze you in at 216-901-0945 on the Bob France Authority. France Authority, here on AM 1420. The answer. 5757. Ten fifty four. final segment of the Bob France Authority uh, for this fine Monday morning. Thanks again to Congressman Jordan for coming on. I uh, I really appreciate his, um, you know, his candor. He said he just doesn't know what's going to happen with Chris Ray. He said uh, he trusts Bill Barr. Bill Barr is in charge of the DOJ, not Christopher Ray, the FBI director. So Bill Barr will do what, what needs to be done. And I hope that's true. I believe that's true. I don't have any problem with that. Um. But I'm worried about what the president said. The president tweeted that Chris Ray, well, specifically he said the FBI director. He didn't say the name Chris Ray, but that's the director. The director is protecting the same gang that tried to overthrow the president through an illegal coup. That sounds like he is going to James Comey him, which means boot him. And if he boots him, I just don't know what kind of a what kind of a crisis that's going to set up. Again, just simply because of the way it's going to be perceived. He booted Jim Comey. was a, uh, Firing Jim Comey was obstruction of justice. Now he does it to a guy he picked himself, Christopher Ray, because he won't do his bidding. He won't demand, you know, provide the loyalty that Trump demands, blah, blah, blah. 
It's just going to be another obstacle to the president, and I don't want any more obstacles to the president, particularly as it pertains to 2020. Um, Also, I want to point this out. Uh, I asked a question to Congressman Jordan about the difference between the bar and holder contempt um, citations. Uh, and it hasn't been actually a citation of contempt of Congress to bar yet, only in the committee. It's got that's going to have to come before a full vote of the House. But um, it did happen with Holder. I mentioned they're apples and oranges. Um, that might not be enough actually to show how different they are. But um, there's a great analysis of this by Mike McConnell at National Review. It's called William Barr versus Eric Holder. If you're a social media user. Um, sad to say, I am. I will tweet this and I will Facebook this. Find me in both places at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and see the difference. It's spelled out in perfect legal, very easy to understand order uh, by National Review. William Barr versus Eric Holder, a tale of two attorneys general as it pertains to their contempt of, of Congress uh, situations. Meantime, we'll go to TJ, who's calling from Cleveland. Yeah. TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, you know how people have to understand the new Democratic Party. They have become the ends justify the means party. To them, it doesn't matter if they trash the Constitution, if they destroy and corrupt all our federal agencies, if they shove national stuff down our throat like Obamacare, the New Green Deal. Everything they do is designed for one thing, to procure total power over the people. And you know, like that movie, The Terminator, when it was said you can't reason with them, you can't bargain with them. You can only destroy them. And that's what people have to get in their mind. There's no reasoning with these people. There's no bargaining with them. They want total power, and they will not stop until they get it. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, that is exactly what they're trying to do, uh, is, is to gain total control, and there is no reasoning with them. And what did it take to defeat the Terminator? Quite literally, in a hydraulic press, you have to crush them. You do. You have to crush them. You have to crush the opposition. And I'm going to say this, too. And it's going to sound like it's harsh and and divisive and whatever. Forget about divisiveness or divisiveness, depending on your pronunciation. We're already there. We're already divided. I had a previous caller call me and tell him we have to, we have to, uh, you know, uh, portray our values. We have to respect, uh, you know, the, 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 the argument and respect the, the other side and what they're trying to say, but defeat them and fight them with our values and fight them with our morals and so on and so forth. And I do understand the point, as I said, but I explained then and TJ's call kind of brings these two points together. If the other side doesn't respect your morals, and the other side doesn't have any morals of their own, now it's morals out the window. Now it's fighting for our morals with what might be less than moral measures. Fighting for our morals and values by doing whatever it takes to crush those that cannot be reasoned with. As TJ just pointed out, I'm just bringing them together. I'll bring those two calls and points of view together. Crushing them. Not physically. We're not Antifa. We don't go into the streets and assault and attack people. We don't go into restaurants to assault and attack people. Not crushing them in that way, but fighting to crush them and their arguments and their spirits at the ballot box, in the public square, in our society, within our cultures. That is what we have to do. Because you can't reason with them. They're not going to change. They're not going to uh, bend to your uh, point of view. They really want to fundamentally steal this country and everything it was founded upon. And that we must crush.
Thanks for the time. Enjoyed it very much today. Stay where you are. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.